Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three after and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for your support. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm your host, Brian Ferguson. My guest today has been in the pro wrestling business since 1975. He has worked with many of the pro wrestling greats, talents of the past and present, and is known as the Bomber. He is the booker at Wrestle South in Alabama and co-hosts a podcast called Pro Wrestling Inside and Out. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you the Bomber, Mr. Jack Lord. Jack, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be on Bumps and Thumps. I'm glad to be here. So let's talk about uh, how you grew up, if we can, a little bit, your family life when you were younger, uh, schooling. And I know you were in the well, Army. Yeah, uh, I, I was born in 1959, and uh, I grew up in rural Alabama on a family farm. Uh, that was uh, my life till I was 18 years old and uh, got married and found a valuable lesson that there was no real jobs in my area. So after uh, I, I did get a job digging ditches, and I thought, well, I'd rather be in the Army than do this. So that's what I did and spent seven years in the military. Um, now, as far as the, you know, my wrestling, I never remember not being a wrestling fan. Yeah, I just I grew up watching it. My my grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and two things he believed in was the Bible and pro wrestling. And he took one just as serious as the other. That's great. And I remember my mama. My mama hated wrestling; always hated it. But we would go over on Saturdays to visit. That uh, was her her dad and mom and. Uh, I remember my mom telling the story about I was about three years old, sitting on my granddaddy's lap, and I was sitting on uh, I think the right side. And he, he only had one eye; the the right one was gone. So I was sitting on the blind side, and Tojo Yamamoto did something extremely heinous on TV, and he jumps up and starts yelling at the TV. Well, in the process, he didn't see me, of course, but uh, he shot me across the room. <laughs> so my mom was sitting in the kitchen and could see this. And she said, she jumped up 
was trying to run to see if I was okay. And she said, before I could get there, I had jumped up and was yelling at the TV too. And she <laughs> said, from that moment on, she knew she had lost me to pro wrestling. That's, that's, that's great. That's a great story. That is a great story. I can tell you my dad, my father hates pro wrestling. Absolutely. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I'll, a quick story. Uh, he would not allowed, but we'd go to my grandma's house, kind of like your scenario. And he couldn't say anything there because it's her house, her television. And she let me watch it. And I watched, uh, I was in a big AWA. I was in, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, so I watched, you know, Vern, Nick Bockwinkle, all those right. great guys. And uh, I never got shot off my grandma's lap. <laughs> so that's an interesting story. Uh, so uh, schooling, did you go to college or did you go to anything after high school or? No, I I started or in the wrestling business in 1975. I was 16 years old. Okay. And a local show came to my high school gym. It was in the middle of summer. And anybody that's ever been to Alabama in the middle of summer knows that it's not a place you really want to come to. <laughs> I love it here, but man, it gets hot. Yeah. But anyway, I, I went to that show and just wanted to be a fan. First time I'd ever seen a live show. And it was a total, as we called it back in the day, an outlaw show. It was, I recognized a lot of the guys because they were the ones getting beat up on WTBS out of Atlanta every week. Yeah. So anyway, I got there, got there early, wound up helping with the ring, wound up being the timekeeper that night. I took care of getting jackets and all that kind of stuff. So that was my introduction, my first day wow. that I ever did anything in the professional wrestling business. And I followed that around all these groups that would come around. I would show up and I would work and I had asthma real bad. So I didn't think I could ever be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, uh, at the time about six feet tall and I weighed about 160 pounds. I was not big at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I joined the army. Even when I was in the army, I, I started getting that itch of, yeah, this is what I want to do mm -hmm. uh, because they had sent me to Oklahoma and that climate there completely cleared up my asthma. Oh, and cool. so I was, uh, you know, went from being a sickly kid to this guy that was running marathons within a month or so, you know, after basic training. So, wow. uh, you know, I would find those same groups when I was home on the weekends and I would train and. Uh, you know, try to try to learn a little bit as we went along. I was actually mm -hmm. going to make the army a career though. I mean, I was good at what I did. I was making rank pretty fast. And, you know, you think about security things, yep. you know, in the future. Uh, and then I blew my knees out when I was in Germany and that, uh, <laughs> pretty much put me on the shelf with the military. They retired me. And the day before I got out, the doctor gave me my final exam. And he said, I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life, son. But he said, you'll never do anything athletic again. And two weeks after that, I got full bore into training uh, to make my debut. And a month after that, I started. And for 24 straight years, that's wow. what I did. Well, that's pretty amazing if you blew out your knees and were still able to uh, do that training. Cause that training, I mean, I've never done that training, but I've watched it and seen it and it isn't, 
a lot of people think it's, oh, it's fake. It's, it's all, you know, it isn't. I mean, it's, you get, you know, thrown in the ropes, your skin tears because those ropes hurt you. If you're, you just got to toughen your skin and like you, and first, uh, most of all, thank you for your service. Uh, you know, that's a, a big accomplishment. I mean, a lot of people, uh, don't serve and, uh, I've served as well. So I thank you for your service. You've paved the way for me. Uh, so, but yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. Uh, two weeks out of the army blowing out knees and you're out training. It's pretty amazing. That means you wanted to do it, endurance. I did. I, I had uh, no, you know, once I found out that, uh, and I knew about a year and a half before I got out that that was ultimately what was going to happen. I just mm-hmm. had to undergo all the surgeries that they put me through and, and uh, you know, and just basically bide my time till they retired me. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I was ready. I was ready. And, and when, I, when I joined, mm-hmm. Um, I, I had got up to six, two and weighed, uh, maybe 170 pounds. You know, like I say, I wasn't, I was tall, but I wasn't very big, mm-hmm. but between the good, now I like army food. I don't know about anybody else, but it was good. To me. <laughs> <laughs> but between the food and all the access to the gyms and everything, I was over 300 pounds and solid. When I got oh. out six, four, I didn't quit growing till I was 21. Yeah. So, uh, six, four, 300 pounds. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I had the look, uh, and honestly, after the army, uh, wrestling training wasn't that hard for me. You yeah. know, I already knew what I was going through or, or you know, what I was going to be going through. So mm-hmm. I was ready for it and yeah. I enjoyed it every minute, every bump I ever took. I, I loved, and I wish I could do it again, but my bump card is fully punched now. <laughs> <laughs> so your time in the army, uh, I read you went to Germany. Mm-hmm. Now, were you a signal person? No, I was married. I got married right out of high school. And uh, uh, we we were married for uh, my first wife and I for 25 years. Oh, wow. And she decided she'd had enough of wrestling and me. So <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, life yeah. goes on. And the Army, uh, your MOS, what was your uh, MOS? I was uh, 13. I think they called it Charlie now. Uh, fire, fire Direction Control Specialist in the Field ah, Artillery. Okay. I was, uh, I was a staff sergeant on the E-7 list uh, when, I, when I got out. So, I, I, you know, with just a little oh, under seven years. Cruising. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I was fast-tracking. They liked me. Uh, and I enjoyed what I did. I, yeah. I love the army. I really yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. You know, we, we already talked about how you got involved a little bit in pro wrestling. Let's talk more about, uh, some of the promotions you worked for titles, things like that. Where did you start out at as, as I, I started, um, I mean, I had a few little matches here and there before him, but the first real running promotion that I, I worked with, uh, was a small group called Alabama championship wrestling. Okay. Uh, they were based out of Gunnersville, Alabama, and we would run Gunnersville every Saturday night. We, I think we did Coleman on Friday nights. We had Thursday night shows. We had Tuesday night shows. 
uh, a lot of times we would do uh, double shows on on Saturdays. I mean, right out of the gate, I was working five shows a week. Oh wow! So and and you know, and I was fortunate that that first show was full of a lot of the talent that worked for uh, Nick Goodwiss. Okay. So those guys knew what they were doing. And mm-hmm. I was so much bigger than everybody. It yeah. was in their best interest to teach me. Right. So I had some, <laughs> some guys, you know, that would pull me aside and go, let me show you how to do that without killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, big fella, you don't want to hurt somebody. Well, never did it intentionally. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Did you ever uh, work? Uh, Mid South. I mean, those territories back in the day. The, I worked um, for Continental okay. quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, I worked. Uh, there was a promotion in the Carolinas, and I can never remember what the name of it was. But I I worked a little bit there. Jim Crockett. Uh, was it, no, it wasn't Crockett. It was after Crockett. Okay. Uh, Paul Jones uh, was oh. the booker there. Uh, but it had, uh, they had Ricky Steamboat, they had Ivan Koloff. I wrestled, uh, Bob Orton Jr. I wrestled, uh, Big John Stud. uh, oh, wow. you know, several, several of those name guys that they had there. Yeah. Um, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Unfortunately, that didn't last. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I got around to the territories. I mean, you know, the, the vast majority, 95% of what I did was independent shows. Okay. But. But I wrestled, I, I tried to sit down and count one time, and there was probably 150 different promotions that I worked for. And that's oh, wow. been a conservative number. I mean, there was, wow. you know, just different shows all over that, yeah. that I went to. And I worked all over the Southeast. Mm-hmm. I've worked in California. I've worked in New York. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've traveled quite a bit in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, pretty, uh, titles, uh, have you held, I mean, heavyweight championships, tag team, almost every promotion that I worked in, Mm -hmm. I was either the heavyweight champion or part of the tag team champions there. I never really kept up with all that, uh, right from the get go. Uh, Louis Talay was my primary trainer and, and Louis was a booker for, uh, in Texas and Carolinas and Florida and Georgia, uh, and had quite an entering career himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he stressed to me right from the get go that this was a business, you know, yeah. that the titles are just part of the story. Um, and, and I always treated it that way. So right. I never once wrote down, Hey, I won this title on this date. And, mm-hmm. you know, or when I lost, I never kept up with win loss record. Somebody asked me that a while back. I said, I remember that I, I won my first match and I lost my last one. So <laughs> that's all I can tell you. Well, yeah, if you've did it for over, you know, 20, what'd you say? 24 years, 24 years. That's, yeah. that's a long time. You can't remember all of them. Right. <laughs> but not with these many concussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's uh, professional wrestling from when you started back in 75 uh, to today. Uh, I know there's a big difference 
in your opinion, is it better, worse, the same, or, you know, are you, are you okay with it or do you? Well, everything changes. Bobby Eaton and I had this discussion here not too long ago and, you know, everything evolves, everything changes. Uh, I remember in 1985 sitting in the locker room with Lou Fez and he told me that he, he just didn't care for today's wrestling. Now, this was mid-80s. He said, I don't like today's wrestling. He said, I, I think that they're uh, basically crapping on everything that we built. And mm-hmm. I thought, man, the, you know, the 70s and 80s to me, was uh, they were awesome. They were great. But he mm-hmm. didn't like it. Right. But I see his point now. So I have honestly tried not to be that critical old guy. Yeah. You know, I know things change. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is, is one thing that doesn't change is engaging the crowd. Right. And when you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and people are not reacting, then you're not doing it right. Right. So. So when you started, though, there wasn't writers and all this. You just had a booker. Am I right? And they told you. Yep. They just kind of said, hey, you're wrestling so-and-so. This is kind of what we want you to do. Uh, and they gave you the, you know, whoever won or whatever, and you guys had yep. to figure it out from after yeah, the that, bell rang that, to the bell ended. That is what we refer to as the difference between wrestling and working. Uh, you can find wrestlers all day long, but mm-hmm. finding real workers now, mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to stress that it's not the fault of the people that's in the business now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, they've been taught that, you know, you call everything beforehand and go, you know, go through it step by step. Mm-hmm. Whereas we knew that if we got out there and we were doing something and it wasn't working, we could just change it and yeah. do something else. Yeah. These guys now, uh, you know, they're stuck, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, well, no, this is what we got to do. Even though they're not liking it, yeah. we still got to do it. Cause that's what we talked about. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for them because they're missing really what to me was the, the most wonderful thing about wrestling was being able to control people's emotions out there. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, when I, I don't watch it as much as I used to, uh, I found it more exciting back in the eighties when I was a kid, um, because I actually would get up and get mad at, you know, Nikita Koloff. I, I thought the guy was really Russian <laughs> until years later, you know. I mean, I just did a podcast with him a few months back, and, you know, he tells, you know, those type of guys, that, when they make you believe that much in that character, and most of those guys are, you know, Minnesota or wherever, and and it's just amazing how today – you can tell it's a character. Well, cause social media kind of dictates that too now, but it's not like I would back in the eighties, I probably would have believed if you were a heel, I probably would have thought you were a real mean and, and cruel person because well, of your size one, two, you know, your size, you're big and that the way you talk and handle yourself. Yeah. You know, one thing that helped us back in that time was that there was no internet. Yeah. So there was nobody exposing everything that come up and, and we all had a different respect for mm-hmm. the business, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Is We knew that we had to keep it in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't, you know, when you start telling people what's coming, smartening them up, then, 
you know, you've, you've spoiled the magic for them. Yeah. And, and I still say that today is that, you know, cafe can come back in a different way. I mean, we're not fooling anybody, not right. trying to tell the fans that, Hey, wrestling is real, but they don't need to know how the magic is done. They don't need to know what tricks coming next. Just, mm-hmm. you know, cafe, if nothing else today should just be shut up. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think also too, today, the matches like with the big wigs, the big stars aren't built up like they used to be and that's because of you know pay-per-views they have one you know once a month or whatever it is now where you could do house shows or tv tapings uh two three four months and build up the big match and you know have that outcome that whatever you know the heel wins or whatever so yeah it's a book i book for uh wrestle south now yeah uh, among other things that I have going on mm-hmm. and, and we run in Arab, Alabama. We just do a monthly show right now, but we're, you know, looking at expanding, doing more shows, but mm-hmm. that's our philosophy is you can't give everybody, uh, everything once a month. So yeah. you have to build your audience to you build your storylines. We're looking at doing one big show a year. Okay. So we'll do that around the holidays, either uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and build up something big, might have a cage match. I don't know, but it'll be, you know, it'll be big. It'll be different and it'll mean something. Yeah. 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 No, that's what I'm talking about, like right there. So when, uh, Russell South, uh, the promotion you book for, um, I see you uh, have guys on your podcast quite a bit, some well-knowners, Bobby Eaton. Do those guys uh, come down and help you out as far as? Bobby, Bobby is a regular member of our staff. He oh, uh, wow. uh, is, is at every event. He sits down with the guys and, uh, you know, once uh, me and the promoter give them what we want out of the matches, mm-hmm. Bobby sits down with them and, it, you know, explains to them, this is, this is how you tell the story that they're wanting. Yeah. And, he, and it's amazing how well these guys are picking up. Now, not everybody yeah. is picking up on what he's saying. It takes time. Yeah. Because it's different. Because the way we did it was different. So mm-hmm. Bobby still tries to incorporate, you know, go ahead, call all the stuff you want. But when it's not working, you got to be able to learn how to change it. Yeah. And they're starting to figure that out. And and seeing that light go off in those guys' eyes of, of their understanding mm-hmm. what the real core of, of pro wrestling is, not yeah. sports entertainment, but pro wrestling. Right. Oh, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it does warm me heart. Yeah. yeah. There is a difference between pro yeah. wrestling and sports entertainment. There's no doubt about that. Um, well, as you know, and you put out yesterday on your uh, Facebook page, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Lohendorf uh, had passed away. Uh, what was your Work relationship with him. Uh, what was that like? Uh, I, I didn't know Paul that well. I'd met him on several shows, but mm-hmm. this was after he had retired. Okay. Of course, we had a lot of mutual friends. Junkyard Dog was a real close friend of mine, mm-hmm. and uh, he thought the world of Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd always wanted to meet him. And when I finally did, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, he was a, a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, now, he was a guy that, he didn't take any crap off nobody. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody knows the Vader story. 
But Paul was just that way. I mean, he took the the industry very seriously. And if you didn't take it seriously, then you were in for a rough night with Paul. Yeah. You know, whether it was just being around him or being in the ring with him. Yeah. I mean, he was he was there. That's how he made his living. And he expected mm-hmm. you to have the same intensity he had. And if he, you didn't, uh, he would stomp you to death. <laughs> It'd be a rough night. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him in the 80s, the – the, the real matches with uh, Hogan, um, just to me, classic. They really, yep. I mean, I really could, I mean, I could not stand Paul Orndorff as as the wrestler when he was uh, a heel. I thought he was great as a heel. When he turned, you know, babyface, it wasn't the same. I love Paul as a, as a heel. Yeah, and he loved being a heel. And I don't think he gets the credit. You know, everybody you know, knows how important Piper was yeah. and, you know, helping build WWE. I mean, he just, he, he made them, you know, the th- yeah. whole deal with Hogan would have been nothing. It's yeah. just a big blonde muscled up guy. If it hadn't been for Piper, but, uh, Paul was right in there with it. You know, he yeah. was that other key that, that made that lock work so smoothly. Yes. So, right. you know, that's, uh, I, I loved watching. I did. I always loved watching everything he did. Yeah. He was, he was great. Uh, I, I enjoyed it and I was sorry to hear that he passed, uh, yesterday and, uh, you know, prayers for his family. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I read a lot of, uh, comments on social media. He had a, uh, you know, a good following. I mean, everybody, yeah. I mean, not a, a lot of people, really enjoyed his work. And, uh, so yeah, I just hope that his family, um, can get through that and, and go from there. So, all right, let's talk about your induction into the Alabama pro wrestling hall of fame uh, in 2016. How, what, what was that like for you? I mean, uh, it was a real honor. Um, you know, I, uh, I never really thought of myself as a hall of fame guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I never thought of myself as some kind of superstar. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a guy that was fortunate, enough, blessed enough to be able to make a living doing something that I love. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling somebody here the other day, you know, I made more money getting pinned than I ever did carrying a championship belt, <laughs> you know, um, but oh. to be recognized by your peers, uh, yeah you know, and, and receive that honor. I'm, I'm, you know, my, it's, it was one of the highlights, you know, yeah. of my career and, yeah. and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. I mean, that's a, that's an honor. Um, not, not a lot of people, uh, you know, any hall of fame, uh, pro wrestling hall of fame, even a, a regional hall of fame, it, it's, you know, they just don't put anybody in those. They gotta, they gotta earn it. Yeah. And, and I'm a big, uh, uh, supporter of the pro wrestling hall of fame out in Wichita Falls, Texas. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'll, I, I will never be inducted into that. I'm, I'm not on that level, but, uh, preserving the history of our industry. This is what we do with pro mm-hmm. wrestling inside and out podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I do that with the sons of Ron West who was, you know, a big time referee worked in the office for every territory there was. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, we, we've been friends, my goodness, since the mid eighties and, you know, both of them's been out of the business a long time. And and we got to talk, we'd tell her, we'd talk, we'd call each other and we'd tell our stories to each other, you know, and, and Brent, uh, one day said, you know, we really, we really should record this. Yeah. You know? And so we started and, and we have, uh, 33, 34,000 followers now. That's great. So it's, it's pretty good. We're, yeah. you know, we're, we're filling a niche there. Yeah. Uh, plenty of people cover today's product and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but there's a right. bunch of them out there. Right. And, uh, but we present everything in a very family, uh, friendly format. There's no yeah. cussing, bad yeah. language. We don't, we don't tell the bad stories. There's plenty of people out there that can do that. Yeah. We highlight the success of our industry yeah. and the wrestlers in it. So, yeah. uh, yeah. No, I, I've listened to a few and watched some and, and they're very, very informative. And, and uh, I follow you on social media. So I, I try to keep up with when they're coming out and, and all your other activities. I mean, you're a very busy man. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I was surprised <laughs> I you gave, uh, you had some time to be on my little podcast, so I, I appreciate that. And um, let's talk about some of the projects you are working on. You're, you've got your podcast, Pro Wrestling Inside and Out. You're a booker for Russell South. Are there any other? Yeah, podcasts? we're uh, uh, off our podcast. Uh, you know, we have a, I mean, we're live every Monday and Tuesday night. And, uh, but we also pre tape uh, a lot of content for our YouTube. So mm-hmm. there's new content up every day. Okay. Uh, I think except for Sunday, maybe, but there's new content on YouTube every day. Uh, but we're also going to start adding, uh, we'll have our first actual live event show on October the 8th in Lafayette, oh. Georgia. Okay. We've got a big, huge night of wrestling. It's going to be, a an awakening for a lot of these guys. Cause we have no entrance music. <laughs> I mean, this is completely old school. I mean, as soon as the match is over with, you're out of the ring and the next guys are shooting out there. Yeah. Uh, Cause we've got, I don't know, nine, 10 matches. I think that we're trying to film in a two hour uh, format there. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to break those down and they'll, you know, be shown one or two matches a week. Uh, basically we're going to film every six weeks. So we're going to get six weeks of TV oh, okay. out of that one night of taping. Okay. Uh, so anyway, and we've got some some really some of the best talent in the southeast that we've got booked for that, which is primarily why we picked a Friday night to do it because there's not as many shows running that we have to worry about, uh, you know, not being able to get talent from. Yeah. Wow. But I got that. I got, uh, you know, I've got bomber wear, which is I'm, I make wrestling tights. I've been doing All that right. since 1985. Uh, yeah, and you know, I'm single. Uh, I got three kids still at home. Uh, yeah. My son has special needs. If you yeah. hear a squeal every now and then, it's he's either happy or he's mad. I don't, you never can tell. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I've seen pictures of him. He, he, he's a good you, kid. Yeah. He's, he's, he's actually my, my stepson from my second marriage. And we've been divorced almost 10 years, but uh, I still raise him. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm the, uh, my ex-wife's husband is great to him, but he, you know, he attached to me from yeah. an early age That's, and I, you know, he's, he's my boy. Yeah. Well, 
understand that I've, I have a special needs child as well. And, and it's, it's a wonderful, you know, experience. I enjoy it when, when he comes to see us as well. Um, Jack, I want to say one more thing, you know, I appreciate you coming on here today. I look at your background. I, you mentioned Bobby Eaton before. Is there any other from the past wrestlers that you work with on a regular basis? Oh gosh, we uh, we're going to be bringing in uh, 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 Rock and Roll Express. Are going to come in. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, Robert and I. Not you know, I know Ricky well, yeah. but I talk to Robert at least once a week. Uh, mm-hmm. We exchange uh, inappropriate memes on Facebook. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, yeah, I know, you know, a ton of the guys and, and we're going to try to bring guys in over time. We'll wrestle South. Uh, I mean, right now we really don't have a need to, to bring in any big names because we're, we're drawing very, very well. And That's I'm good. thankful for that, yeah. but we're just trying to give a, uh, you know, a product that you can bring your family to see. And, uh, we're getting a great response. Uh, our, our, Last show was Saturday night. Uh, by yesterday, we had completely sold out front row already for oh, the wow. next show a month out. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, you know we're we're making an, an impact, I think, and yeah. we're the only show in Alabama that really gives a uh, just a total family type atmosphere, and I think that's missing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you guys? Uh, at your promotion, do you have a, a training facility where you train guys or you just, we do, okay. uh, we're fixing to start up again. I think he said in September, uh, okay. the promoter actually handles the, uh, uh the training. I, <laughs> I can't get in the ring anymore. <laughs> I'm good at yelling at people, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good. Um, you know, like I said, how, and how can people, uh, if they want to, get a hold of contact you uh i know social media uh, well of course i'm on uh facebook uh, twitter uh, uh instagram uh i'll be honest don't don't contact me on twitter because i only check it about once a month but anyway okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, facebook just jack lord look for the big ball-headed guy with a cigar i've always got a cigar in my picture i'm a yes a, a bit of an aficionado uh, sure. but, uh, wrestlesouth.com is our website, uh, Bomberware. If you're anybody out there looking for anything that's on Facebook. Uh, okay. so yeah, just hit me up any, a bomberjacklord at gmail.com. Can't think of anything else. I'm, I'm easy to find. All right. One last question. How did you get the name bomber? It came from my, um, military experience being in the field artillery and I was talking to one of the promoters one time and and he was you know they had wanted me when I first started to be the bleach blonde pretty boy and (laughs) I I did it I just didn't like it yeah but you know when you're starting out you do what you're told to do and but I, I spent a few years doing that and and finally was talking to a promoter that that actually listened to me and and I said, you know, I got this character I want to do. And I said, it's really based on me. It's just turn the volume up a little bit, you know. And and um, so we were talking, and and he said, well, what do you want to go? You know, it can't just be just Jack Lord. It's got to be something else. And he said, yeah. tell me what you did in the Army. So I told him, and he said, so you dropped them big bombs, huh? 
And I said, well, they weren't, we didn't call them bombs. We called them rounds. And he yeah. said, well, to a civilian, they're bombs. <laughs> and he said, uh, what about bomber? You can call you the blonde bomber. And I said, well, I'm losing the blonde. So we can, because <laughs> there had already been some blonde bombers before. And uh, Larry Latham and uh, uh, Honky Tonk Man, you know, did that. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just I just shortened it down, you know, to bomber, yeah. and and that's that's where it came from. Well, all right. Well, there you go. And we got we got how we got the nickname. And uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. It's been an honor and a pleasure, uh, folks. If you're listening, you know, reach out to Jack. I did, and he responds immediately if he's not busy, which he pretty much is. Uh, you go to his bomberware, russellsouth.com. And, and again, Jack, thank you for joining us today. And for the folks out there listening, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.